It's with joy that the student athletes are returning to the fields and courts. But it doesn't feel quite the same. Where have the people gone? Seems like there's no one hanging on. Cut out, cut out, cut out, cut out. What is this cut out talk? In 2020-21, the people may be cutouts, but there are still games and there are still tailgate shows. They're still broadcast. And through it all, there is still the Joe Beaver Show, a place to gather at proper distances to talk about it all, to talk about what we do have. And it looks like we're ready to give it one more try. So, such as it is, we're ready to give it one more try with John and Mike and the Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio. Now, why would we play that to open the show, a song from 1949? Any particular reason, John? Good morning, and welcome to the Joe Beaver uh, Show, everybody. Yeah, why? Why? Well, there's a good reason, okay. and it's one that I can't speak to because I didn't watch it. No, you didn't, and I didn't either, and I'm not sure how many did, but we hope to hear from somebody that did. <laughs> yeah, because I thought about watching it, and I thought, oh, well, I'll check that out, and never did. They played... Part of one of the games yesterday on Nickel, you know, they were doing different channels. I did notice that on Saturday, they were doing different channels. Freeform, I never even heard of Freeform had a, had part of a game on, and it was all these stars. But they played it on Nickelodeon with different, uh, apparently, different broadcasters explaining the game and gearing it around kids. That's all I know. And Rome, of course, talking about it now over the last couple of he hours. He was talking about it off and on. I read in one of the comments to that song, and, and I don't know whether that, I know music was a big part of your life in your household, correct? You listened yep. to records, yep. you you played the piano, you took piano lessons, You music was a part of your life growing up. My mom would play, she, you know, she'd, she'd have a, a few drinks here and there and usually say, need some juke, need some <laughs> juke, get some juke going. Like the jukebox? The jukebox. And then I, you know, I was practicing back in those days at a young age of playing records and introducing them. So I remember even having an introduction. It's time for us to put another nickel in, into the Nickelodeon for Teresa Brewer and music, music, music. (laughs) That was one of the songs that I would do a nice little lead up to as a kid. Nickelodeon, Teresa Brewer, we had an album by her with many other Songs on Until right now. Not only have I never heard that song. Okay. Until today. Never even heard of that song. Somebody said one of the comments that came up in the first comment after that song played in the search engine that I found it in. Yeah. Just because hearing Nickelodeon talked about so much today. Right. That song came to mind, and Teresa Brewer and Music, 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 originally released in 1949, according to the to the reports, and we were playing it in our household in 1969, 67, 68, 60, thereabout. 
So it was old then even, but we liked it. My sister liked it. We liked it. We would dance around to it. My mom would be <laughs> drinking hand dancing around to it, having a good time. Put another nickel in in the Nickelodeon. And, and according to one of the comments, it said that was the theme song when Nickelodeon hit the airwaves in 79-80. That that, oh, when really? Nickelodeon began, Interesting. that song was its background introductory theme song. Now, whether that's true or false, I don't know. Huh. Were you were you and your children much in the Nickelodeon world growing up? Yeah, yeah, my kids yeah. would watch whatever okay. channel. Or was that Rugrats? Yeah. Was that one of their big deals? <laughs> Rugrats. Okay. There was a there was a cartoon called Doug that actually we thought as adults was pretty funny, and we would watch Doug. Um, and then of course it all evolved, like all the other channels evolved mm-hmm. over the years. So it's funny too when you have your own kids, and you're always thinking about life. TV shows from our youth, and then you go through it, and now some of those earlier cartoons on Nickelodeon, they're harder to find now. They're considered old. And was SpongeBob's platform Nickelodeon? I think so, yeah. Okay. I think so. So all of us thus, and I, I speak for, when I say all of us, I mean it, essentially. Any You, me, and everybody else listening. Yes. You've had some familiarity along the way with Nickelodeon, one way or another, against your will, (laughs) even against if you're trying to make wise parental decisions or believe you, you know, we're we're not going to watch that one. You know, whatever. I mean, I know of those sort of editorial decisions being made in households. I know of that. (laughs) For both of the shows I've already referenced, Rugrats and SpongeBob, for weird reasons that I won't, yeah, I won't even go into now, but some of you listening may have been amongst, oh, we don't let our kids watch, you know. Okay. Okay. I understand. I do understand. And we we had even some qualms and misgivings at times, but relented essentially eventually, and, and even would watch both shows with what I mean. They were yeah. funny. They were good. They were well done and funny. So, whatever your taste may be for Rugrats and SpongeBob and other shows on Nickelodeon, the question that I have is a more serious one with respect to last night's attempt by the National Football League to have an NFL game on that network geared toward a younger audience. And as expected with Rome, and Rome's Rome's shtick is funny, what Rome does is work for 30 years and it's funny and it's good, and I have all the respect in the world for Jim Rome and his approach. The unfortunate thing, though, is if he says, what did you think of the Nickelodeon telecast? All it leads to is signed Gronk, fake emails, fake messages, people, you know, stoners, you know, people who no one that I heard with Rome, no one as a caller, as an emailer, as a tweeter, a texter, anybody else took a moment to say, well, it worked. Our kid, one kid, he finally did say that somebody, he had a two-year-old and a four-year-old watching slime and SpongeBob or whatever. Would slime occur when touchdowns occurred? I I don't know. I didn't see a bit of it. I saw a little bit of the game on the real network, the real, but didn't see any of the Nickelodeon presentation. So we're asking if any of you did to offer us, if you did, tune in. How did they gear it? In what way? 
what kind of touches did they have that you thought, oh, that's pretty clever. Oh, yeah, the kid, your own children right, watched it right. and liked it. Anybody in our midst who could say that, we look for a, a little bit more of a sober-minded review of Nickelodeon's presentation of, a, of an NFL playoff game to culminate Super Wild Card Weekend. Did you see any of the other experimental channels? No. They'll do it tonight. There they will. will be. Uh, there was on Freeform... It was celebrities. It was kind of, it was stupid. Uh, Jesse Palmer was the quote-unquote football expert, along with, I don't know, some host of one of those celebrity TMZ-type shows. Are you talking Freeform? Freeform, the channel. And then at the same time, and this was, I don't know what game it was, at the same time Freeform was doing the celebrity one, uh, ESPN2 was doing coaches and players. And... um, who was the old Jets coach, big guy? Weeb Eubank? <laughs> no, not, oh, not that okay. far Rich back. Rich Cotite? No, I don't know. Anyway, the, these coaches and players were on there. Mike Riley actually was part of it for one of the national championship games many years ago, mm-hmm. many years ago. But these coaches and players were on there, you know, and talking. And I I watched for about three minutes and changed it. Okay. Just because uh, it's, it's like Mystery Science Theater. Mm-hmm. The, the biggest part of the screen is the game, and then on the side of the little squares of the people talking, and, and you know, they making their comments. I didn't find it that interesting, so I didn't watch it, but I wanted to check in on it and see what it was like, and I, I forgot to do Nickelodeon. We have open phones. Paul is already on the line for, for some purpose, and we'll talk to him here in a moment. If you'd like to also join us at 497 Along the way today, we'll talk about the first wins in the Chris Pendleton era in wrestling. Ron Callen will join us at 12.05. We'll have open phones and other matters to get to today on the Joe Beaver Show. But just because Romy was just talking about Nickelodeon, because I had Teresa Brewer dancing through my head, this is where we start. Put another nickel in in the Nickelodeon. And music, music, music. Did any of you, and we're serious about this, did anybody from a parental viewpoint try to bring your kids in in a way that you actually tuned in with your children? And I'm just curious how, what kind of things, touches, choices did they use if you watched it at all that you could tell your kids liked? It was good. Or you tried for five minutes and it didn't work for your kids. It wasn't working for you. And off you go back to the to Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth. So on a screenshot, um, someone just tweeted, there is slime on the TV. And it's just a green line underneath the, the oh. orange line or the, okay. the yellow line making it orange just to kind of. Like kids, that slime because Nickelodeon's mm-hmm. known for its slime, and they had a game show where kids would get slimed. Okay, and so I think little little changes like okay. that. Thank you for that. But I'd be curious to know what the announcers sound. Yeah, because like. I heard according to Rome, they were doing a good job of explaining the game. That's good. I like that. The the one thing that I I will say though, it, it, for whatever it's worth, and maybe times have changed so much that that type of programming is useful. It's not only useful, it's, it's valuable and good in terms of 
inculcating the principles of the game and developing an interest in young people with young eyeballs and young sensibilities at a young age to begin to love football or whatever other sport they choose to put on in that format. Maybe that's really cool to do it that way. And we, again, would like to know if you found it, in that sense, stimulating for your kids and liked what they did. I do know apparently there was an F-bomb at one point that <laughs> I saw a story that said that Nickelodeon had, they actually made it kind of funny. Well, um, you know, tried to find a way through it in a, in a kind of humorous way when a, a microphone picked up the inappropriate word. I think it's great. I think it's great that they tried to, to you know, teach the young audience about the game. That's okay. not great that that F-bomb got through. But. No, but okay. But you think it's great. And here, I guess here's the question, though, on a certain level. Do the youngsters who care, or, you know, are we talking about two- and four-year-olds just having visual imagery and, and a few other things? Because it strikes me that when you were seven, eight, yeah. when I was seven, eight, beginning to come into the age of accountability with sport mm -hmm. and caring, there were no such program att programming attempts. Right. And I thought we learned just through watching and listening without something geared toward our young ears and eyes. We just had to learn through what Vin Scully, Dick Enberg, Jack Buck, Ray Scott, Pat Summerall, and we, others were saying, and we liked it and learned, and we didn't have to have it, in a sense, juvenile down. True, but would we have wanted that if we had that access? I don't know. I don't know that I would have. My age of accountability coming into sports and all that didn't really occur. I love playing sports, but I never connected the two. So my age of like learning about teams... And watching it on TV didn't start until I was about 10 or 11. Okay. So, again, I know that here in the Mid-Valley, the Joe Beaver Show, we we may not be—I'm looking at you, and you didn't see any of it. You're looking at me. I didn't see any of it. I wanted to, though. I forgot. Okay. that That's that's something. The want to is something. Paul <laughs> may have watched a little bit, but I don't know. He's called us right out of the gate on the University Honda text line. We'd love to hear from somebody on the University Honda text line, yes, and the Downward Dog phone line if you did sample it a little bit just for the heck of it. As a grown-up, as an adult in the room, channels are fine. Oh, I'll see what they're Did anybody that we know check in? But did any of you purposefully check in with your children in mind? Hmm. And if so, do we have any anecdotal evidence in our midst that said, yeah, and it worked. It was better for the kids. It held the kids' attention longer than the Collinsworth-Michaels approach would have. 497-5356, if you have any thoughts whatsoever about that. And the games themselves. Ron Callen did the in-house PA for the debacle in Seattle, and it was. How far I've come to be upset that the Seahawks lost to my original team, the Los Angeles Rams, but I was, and it was a dismal, is that the right word, a dismal performance by the Seahawks, just flat out bad. Uh, we kept looking yeah. at each other saying, is this going to get any better? Is this the best it's going to be? Is this the, it? The Ram defense is very oh, good. Oh, it was very, very good. good. 
but it was dismal and hard to watch. If you have any thoughts about any of the games themselves, Beavers in the games, I have a moment with Jordan Poyer when it appeared he had saved the, you know, won the game with this stripping of the football. Did you see yeah, that play? Yeah, Did yeah. you see the play? Yeah, I thought it should have been. Wasn't it called originally? Did they make the call? I no, the remember. original call was that he he, he was, was down. down. Right. Then I heard on the radio. I was listening to that on the radio. I saw it with my eyes. He went no, down and, and the it. announcers kept saying, "Oh, they'll overturn this. This game's over. Buffalo has won." Oh yeah. And, and, and so again, when they didn't, I'm driving yeah. around going with the radio announcers who were doing the game on Westwood One, saying, "He got that ball out. That's a fumble. The yeah. Bills will win this game." Then the guy comes back. We. So somebody explain why. How, how with everybody, you saying it, the announcers saying it, tweets and things I was hearing saying it, then were they just flat out wrong or was it close enough in fairness to them that, yeah, they didn't have indisputable evidence? But here's the thing. It's not a they. My buddy told me this. I didn't realize this. And watching all the NFL games, I haven't been listening that close, yeah. that in the NFL, it's the guy under the hood making the decision, not New York. Or, or whatnot. So ultimately, when New York stops it and says, we want you to come under the That's hood, it's said. that he one guy? It's the one guy under the hood. Is that how that works? Now, correct my friend. If that's okay. not true, let us know. Text us on the University Honda text line because he said, no, no, it's the one guy underneath. And then I said, really? That can't be. No, I mean, think that's too would... much pressure on no, the I one said, guy. No, I said, Major League Baseball, it's New York. And, 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 and he said, oh, I know. And he's a big NHL guy. He <laughs> says, and... He comes out after that, and of course he's going to rule that uh, that he was not down. It's a fumble, and, and he ruled him down. Well, the the play on the field is I don't remember if he said he stands said stand. or confirmed. I think he used the word stands. I I don't think he went confirmed. I think but, he said stands. But Jordan got his hand in there and ripped that out. Great it was, play. That, it was that awesome. W- now they end up winning anyway, so yeah. it all worked out. Yeah. But I thought, man, what a great story. Our own has sealed the Bills' playoff he victory. He played great, and I was looking through the All Pro list, and he did not get All Pro <laughs> this year, and I was really surprised. I thought he would. Any thoughts on that? And if you know the protocol for the NFL and replay rules is what John's friend was it your friend or brother the big NHL guy You're, no friend you decided friend of mine is that true that it ultimately New York stops it but it's up to the one guy in the white hat under the hood yeah I'd, I'd like is that true on that too that seems to be too big can does he have the does he have the latitude to call somebody else in to look at it before making a decision? Do they do that? You know, in uh, the Pac-12, I saw under there. In the Pac-12 for basketball games, how often, quite often, we see the referee walking over to the scores table and will summon the other, the other two umpires, one umpire, sometimes all three. They want to get three sets of eyeballs on it before they make a call and well, a decision. It takes forever. By the way, Big 12 officials for tonight's championship game. Thank goodness. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd be watching that well, game until 11 o'clock tonight. The way, I mean, was our conference even considered? Anyway. <laughs> it, it, or is it a rotation? It's probably a rotation. Oh, it doc. can't be. Well, you're right, yeah, because there are years when they are there, and it's like, oh, gosh, please don't embarrass <laughs> us. <laughs> okay. Anybody know the NFL rules that John is citing? Is that correct? It's ultimately when New York says, okay, get under the hood on this one. It's his one call, one guy's call? 
I, if that's true, that I didn't know that, and that's interesting. 497-5356, 497-5356. No takers as of yet on the whole Nickelodeon experiment. So I take it that... I did find a tweet by our former intern... Um, Joe? Joe. Joe Hedberg. Saying it was fantastic. Okay. I, but here is what... That's great. We'll call Joe if we have his number. In what did the fantasticness consist? I, I like the idea that it was fantastic, but I need more than that from Joe or from anybody else. What did you like about it? What didn't you like about it? Would you have devoured that as a child? But all you had was Tom Brookshire and Pat Summerall. How did you manage to learn the game? Four nine seven five three five six. Let's go to Paul on the Downward Dog Sports Line. Hello, Paul. Hey, yeah. Uh, I just know three things about the Nickelodeon thing. Number one, they put uh, SpongeBob SquarePants instead of the Allstate thing for the net. <laughs> okay. Kick extra points or field goals. Number two, they didn't do the slime thing till after the game because they couldn't do it during the game. You know, slime a coach, whatever they're going to do. Oh, okay. <laughs> number, number three, Rush Limbaugh said that Iron Eagle's son was the play-by-play guy, and he said he was fantastic. Oh, he I bet he was. Oh, I would have loved to hear that. I bet he was. And I wonder how old Iron Eagle's son is, did you? Did Rush say? No, he didn't say, but I, God, Iron Eagle doesn't seem to be that old, like in his 50s, so his son can't be more than 30 or near his late 20s or 30. Oh, I thought you were going to say it was a little kid. Yeah, too. and I didn't know. Did I assume that you had to have an adult or two in the room during the broadcast, so maybe I and Eagle's son is in his 20s or 30s, but yeah. I thought the whole idea might be to get a peer, a young person doing it, like a not teenager. A, not a teenager. I'm talking about a, he's probably graduated college now, okay. you know, in communications. Yeah. Okay. But you know what I mean. He's a, he's a relatively, a, you know, 20-year-old. A Gen Xer. Yeah, yeah. I and that would be that would be probably the right sort of mind and voice in the booth for a Nickelodeon telecast. So anyway, anything else for you today, Paul? Yeah, I wanted to know if you say anything about the stupid uh, time clock the clock miscues that they had on the games. One of them one of them was there was ten seconds to go in the game and uh, the team was going, you know, like gonna throw a Hail Mary or throw a, a down and out so you get within a field goal. I think it was the Buffalo game, as a matter of fact. And, and the clock said 10 seconds, and they ran a play into an incomplete pass. The clock said nine seconds. Like, wait yeah. a minute, one second? Don't know any reason for it or anything, but I saw a, a lot of what you're talking about, including that game, and we were just wondering the very same thing. I did learn something this weekend, though, Paul, having not, again, watched a lot of of nfl games in in as much detail as i get when i'm with these certain buddies because they know it inside and out apparently the the countdown on the play clock in in the nfl and probably college football too it's tv is off by one second so when we see zero in the stadium it's still one second left because i'm always screaming and going yeah you better hike the ball and it's off by a second 
Yeah, well, that that happened quite a few times with Philip Rivers. The clock always said zero when he was hiking the yeah, ball. Yeah, yeah, and then so my I'm buddy, talking, I'm not talking about the play clock. I'm talking about the actual time clock. Yeah, that I don't know. I saw it. I saw what you saw, but no, no one ever really addressed it. Yeah, they did. The referee caught it and said, "Please set the clock to five seconds." The clock can run. Right, but they didn't address why they didn't <laughs> run the clock. Well, they don't have to address why. They can assume that somebody just screwed up and start the clock. But it happened again in the Pittsburgh-Cleveland game, right? Right after the the two-minute warning was at 158, and they ran a play, and it went to 157. And they did not catch it. They did not reset the clock. Well, that's crazy. It's crazy. Paul, thank you for the um, for the work on Nickelodeon. We appreciate that. Look forward to hearing a little bit more, perhaps, from users of the telecast. Thanks for the call. If any of you would like to join us on along those lines or anything else that comes to mind today, 497-5356, that's the Downward Dog Sports Line, the University Honda Text Line, Four nine seven fifty three fifty six. This is what happens when we um, didn't see something, but others did, and then others then say things, and we're okay. You ready for this? Yes. Noah Eagle is twenty four years old, according to this texter on okay, the University Honda. That's, that's great. And does play by play for the Clippers. Okay. But in the beginning, I was thinking, oh, oh, yeah, how I'm cute, how cute, little ten <laughs> year old boys doing play by play. It's like, right. oh my gosh. Not quite exactly what I thought at the at the very beginning of that. Thing. Well, I had no idea, but as as he was talking about it, I thought of uh, Ian's age and thought, well, it's doubtful that he has an eleven or twelve or fifteen year old. That his right. son would be older, and you would need to have somebody uh, in in the booth in running control. the show in control of it. I'll tell you though, I don't know. I don't yeah. know if they had. You know, kids on the air with them, but they could have. They yeah, no, been, they would have. They could have. Would have been a perfect opportunity for a kid to to do that, much like you do with baseball when the kids sure. come in and stuff. Sure. Somebody I mean, just said uh, that he did a great job, yeah. too. What, Noah Eagle? Uh-huh. That's cool. Anyway, we break. If you have any other thoughts you'd like to uh, convey along the University How to Text line or the Downward Dog Sports line, 497 5356. At 12.05, Ron Callen on several things. An update on women's hoops, whatever there might be with respect to that. And a question just came in. Do we we know if the men and the women are playing? Yeah, we'll have an update on all of those things as we go, at least as much as we know, which is very little to cue up your Sinatra and how little we know. It's all true. We've had Teresa Brewer. We need Sinatra now. And how little we know with his no dropping down to the lowest note that he probably ever hit in his great career. How little we know. Another Lasorda story or two that comes to mind, uh, because there's still, if some of you have a, a, a recollection, what comes to mind with respect to Nickelodeon, was there a show, John, do you remember this as we go to break? Does anybody remember? I can't remember what it was called, but it strikes me that there was a show in the 80s, maybe, with Johnny Bench, the famous Chicken. And maybe Lasorda coming in as some sort of wizard, or was it Johnny Bench as a wizard, or whatever else, trying to convey a show geared about baseball to a younger audience. A weekly show 
that I thought Lasorda contributed to. And Johnny Bench hosted. And the chicken was part of it. Does that ring any bells with you or anybody? Like a kid show on a, a kid, kid show? Channel? Well, maybe not necessarily even a kid's channel. I've something never heard that, of that Major League Baseball authorized. It just vaguely thinking I be about surprised, it. I wouldn't be surprised because there have been crazy shows over the years. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Anybody have any thoughts on that? Let's break. We'll come back. And. How little we know. Now, see, then, no, but later, How much to discover. he drops her down later. What chemical forces flow he used to sing that in Tommy Lasorda's office. I listen to the Sinatra channel on Sirius. It's a great channel. It is a great We channel. break and come back on 1240 Joe Radio. Woodstock's Pizza on Kings Boulevard in Corvallis really is pizza for all. Whether you're thinking meat mania, vegan victory, vegetarian virtuousness, or whatever you want to name your pizza, Woodstock's Pizza has it. They have over 35 fresh toppings to choose from, four different crust options, including cauliflower and gluten-free, and cheese choices that include vegan and dairy-free. Woodstock's Pizza on Kings Boulevard in Corvallis really is pizza for all. Woodstock's Pizza on Kings Boulevard in Corvallis. We set them up, you knock them down. Island Bowl, family entertainment for young and old. Clean and friendly, that's Highland Bowl. Bring your part and let the good times roll. Great food, good fun, that's Highland Bowl. We set them Street Corvallis. Middleton Heating has been here helping you for over 71 years, 24 hours a day. Middleton can repair, replace, or maintain all types of heating and cooling equipment. Heating unit troubling you? Need repairs or replacement? Give Middleton Heating a call. For new equipment, Middleton offers several financing options and participates in state, federal, and manufacturer incentive programs. Don't forget Middleton's custom sheet metal shop is still taking orders, large or small. You can count on Middleton for all your heating, cooling, and sheet metal needs online at middletonheating.net. Trump's Hobbies has been serving the area since 1972 and is a proud supporter of schools, clubs, and groups throughout the Mid Valley. Trump says the area's largest selection of radio-controlled cars, boats, airplanes, and helicopters, plus drones, plastic models, model trains, fantasy games, collector cards, and modeling tools, parts, paints, and supplies. Whether you're an experienced modeler or just starting out, Trump's is there to help. Build it. Drive it. Fly it. Trump's Hobbies in the Timberhill Shopping Center in Corvallis, bringing enjoyment to life. This is Mike Parker for Evenflow Plumbing, your trusted award-winning plumber for the Mid-Valley. Evenflow specializes in complete plumbing and drain cleaning solutions for residential and commercial jobs. They treat your home like it's their home, and their flat rate pricing means no surprises at the end of the job. Evenflow takes pride in doing the job right the first time. Just call 541-738-8853 for all your plumbing needs. When you need a pro, go with the flow. Evenflow Plumbing. Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Mewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. Financial investments are very important, but so are the investments of time, patience, and encouragement our young athletes receive from their coaches, teachers, and mentors. That's why Edward Jones is a proud sponsor of Oregon State and area high school sports. Call me, Tim Mewis, at 541-758-8245 or stop by my office in the Timber Hill Shopping Complex in Corvallis for all of your investment needs. 
Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Go Beavs. Let's go. Just heard the voice of Johnny Bench before the musical theme started. So Chris called to say, to tell us it was the baseball bunch. Yeah, the baseball bunch. 80 to 85. And Lasorda was the dugout wizard. That's what I thought. I don't think I ever saw an episode of the show, but I remember, I just kind of remember it was on and people would tell me, hey, we saw Lasorda. He's a dugout wizard. Have you seen it, Parker? And eh, no, I haven't, but <laughs> glad to know that he's the dugout wizard. Did anybody ever see that show? Is it helpful? These are the questions I have, John, in a sense. I'm wondering how any of you learned the rudiments of the game. I, I assume. I wish I, mean, I would have seen it. Did those shows help in any way? You know, they said Ted Williams was a guest on it. That's cool. But yeah, the education. Mickey Mantle wrote a book, The Education of a Ball Player. I read that as a kid. But through listening, I would say probably listening to the radio more than anything else, Johnny, is how I learned the nomenclature of the game and even the kind of the, the rules, the unwritten rules, tenor. What would be an example? Uh, well, well, I'll give you an example. 1968 couple of years after my age of accountability, but I remember listening to Scully calling a Dodger-Giant game, bases loaded, Drysdale going for the consecutive scoreless inning streak, and the bases loaded, nobody out in the ninth inning. If he gives up a run, and I just remember gripping my radio, don't give up a run, Don. Don't give up a run. Bases loaded, nobody out, and tears, a street, you know, because I know, I mean, I know, Young baseball fan or not, that's a tough situation to wriggle out of. And I remember Scully's voice as clear today as I, in 1968. I can hear it. 2021, it comes back clearly. He said, here's what he said in my, I just, you know, almost fell out of my bed when I heard Scully say, bases loaded, nobody out, 2-2 two, two, curve, hit him. Oh. <laughs> Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, it hit the bat. And I'm thinking, oh, it's a foul ball. Drysdale streak is still alive. And one of the biggest, longest brouhaha's. Where did the ball ricochet to? As Scully started, he said, two, two, curve, hit him. And then moment low, wait a minute, it hit the bat. It hit the bat, says Harry Wendelstadt, the home plate umpire. It hit the bat, which it didn't. Scully was, you know, the sainted great Vin Scully was, like many of us, speculating Uh early about, well, what the curveball hit him. He saw that and called it that way, but then saw Harry Wendelstedt throw his hands high in the air as if to signify foul ball. Well, he was signifying dead ball. And Ah. that whole, the next 15 minutes with several different giant, you know, uh, P, uh, 
Herman Franks gets thrown out. Dick Dietz gets thrown. I mean, everybody gets, I mean, Giants are arguing this forever, and it's still a controversial play in the Dodger-Giant rivalry. Harry Wendelstedt invoked what Scully went on to explain, and that night I learned what then was called Rule 608. And he's reading the rule book on the air. He said, if a batter makes no attempt to get out of the way of the pitch ball, if the ball was in the strike zone when it hits the batter, it shall be called a strike. If the ball is outside the strike zone when it hits the batter, it shall be called a ball. That explains, said Vinny, why Dietz remains at the plate and the count is now three and two. He made no attempt, according to Harry Wendelstedt, to get out of the way of the pitch ball. Now, I'd never heard any of that in my life at the age of 10, mm-hmm. but the next day at school, we were all talking, yeah, rule 608, he didn't try to get out of the way. <laughs> Giants fans were saying, yeah, the, the streak should be over. That's a terrible call, and many Giants fans still say that's the cheapest, horrible. I've seen the video, and Dietz stands there like and a statue. Move. Does not move. Wendelstead made the right call. A gutsy call, but the right call, and a call that isn't often invoked. Jeff Torborg was catching. I've read about it since. Torborg whirls around immediately and says the word to Harry Wendelstead, hey. And Wendelstead, yeah, I got it. Throws his arms wow. in the air. Dead ball. Was it a ball or a strike? It was a ball, so the count goes to three and two. So he's a ball away from the streak being over, but he got out of it. He got the next two batters for his fifth consecutive and you, shutout. And you were happy as a youngster. And I was just joyous beyond comprehension. How did you ever sleep at night? It was tough, particularly after Game 7 a year later (laughs) in 69. Okay, now I saw a tweet. Yes. And I thought, okay, well, let's let's get him on. We haven't talked to him in a while. And and it was a tweet in support of yesterday's showing of the Nickelodeon. uh, Nickelodeon Okay, we'll go to Joe Hedberg. Yeah. You call him Intern Joe. Say, 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 Joe. <laughs> I've always called him that. It's a term of endearment. Yes, it is. He worked here as an intern. And was very good. Yeah, very good. And he's a big hockey guy. I'm going to ask him in a moment if he's ever heard of a person named Chuck Caton. And if he has, then he'll know why I'm going to ask him. Because it's not another good trend in trends in our industry. We'll get to it in just a second. The the example I gave you, John, was a dramatic one. You said, give me an example of learning the game. Now, that's an... uh, Well, because you had 15 minutes to hear them break it down. Yeah, that here's Scully, not even them. He just, by himself in the booth, broke it all down. That's one guy talking. But what I'm talking about is more... Not even so much... Hard to cite... Well, here's another example. When he taught me this rule, no, it's just... Soaking it in day by day by day by day. A 162-game season, and you start following a team, whatever the team may be. Start following the Mariners closely, any major league club, and listen every day. At what, uh, an age where you can understand the English language, seven, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, you're going to learn a lot just by the daily uh, exposure to Right. The, the ongoing storylines for that particular team, which branch out to learning about every other team in the league when you play them. Mm-hmm. And the out-of-town scoreboard now means something because you saw 
Wade Boggs in your own ballpark earlier, and hell, he hit two more doubles off the wall at Fenway. Did you have some knowledge of what that means? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I I think the day-by-dayness of radio is the the best school of instruction for sport that I knew growing up, and I still think if people... You know, television does it too. Great, the, the, yeah. you know, if you watch Michaels and Collinsworth every Sunday night, you're going to learn a lot about a lot and right. Aikman and Buck, etc. And Nickelodeon, in attempting to draw in a younger audience, and, and the, the NFL's wise to do this. They mm-hmm. cannot always assume that everything's always going to go great, and the NFL is always going to be king. And you have to. You have to kind of keep refreshing and re- and building your audience every generation. So this is an attempt that Nickelodeon made. And intern Joe, Joe Hedberg, says uh, it was a home run. They did well. Joe, good morning. Welcome to the Joe Beaver Show. And we want to find out what you're doing in a moment these days. But let's just start with Nickelodeon. What Did you watch enough of it to have an opinion? I watched... Um most of the first half and a lot of the third and most of the fourth quarter, we had dinner arrangements. So we went uh, to a friend's place for dinner. So I missed the rest of the game, but overall I thought it was a great thing for the NFL to do. When I first heard about it, I thought, okay, that sounds a little ridiculous, but I may check it out. And funny enough, my CBS signal wasn't working for me yesterday. So I was like, well, it looks like I got to watch it on Nickelodeon. And watched it on Nickelodeon with uh, Noah Eagle and and uh, Nate Burleson on the call. And just the overall, like, my wife was with me. And my wife doesn't watch a lot of football with me. But we talked about how much we were enjoying it because they were explaining penalties and explaining formations and explaining things to make it easier and using various analogies in certain ways. And I looked over at my wife and I said, I wish they did this when I was a kid because Mm -hmm. I felt, you know, as a kid, asking what a false start is to your dad who's in the middle of watching a Steelers game, who's a diehard Steelers fan, (laughs) hopefully he's okay today, uh... (laughs) You know, like I felt that that's probably a dumb question or having to ask a litany of questions during a commercial break and hopefully getting an explanation for them in time before play came back and resumed. So I thought what Nickelodeon did was great and what the NFL did with Nickelodeon was great. Uh, You know, I got my master's degree in sports management. I still follow certain marketing trends. Uh, and when I saw that, I thought, we'll see how it turns out. And I thought it was fantastic and that it's something that they should continue to try and do. Hmm. Have they done it before? Do either of you know? I, it seems like I've heard of this before. Do you know, Joe? Uh, no, I think this was the first time okay. uh go for uh, Nickelodeon airing a game. Uh, interestingly enough, Freeform, which is owned by Disney, aired the uh, Ravens and Titans playoff game because uh, ESPN had that one. So the other uh, affiliate for it's a teenage network for kids, but 
they aired the football game to try to appeal to the younger audience as well. So yeah, I saw a little bit of that. They didn't have the graphics and didn't go into the details right. because it was the same broadcasters. But, you know, I I like the idea of that. How how rudimentary did Noah Eagle get when explaining things? Um, it wasn't, you know, he, he'd explain things. But it, he didn't. He broke it down. As, was there's a phrase in the military, breaking it down Barney style, the easiest way to understand things. And I felt that in some of the instances, an example that he gave, I was like, yeah, that's easy enough for a nine or ten year old to understand. With like when they talked about Mitch Trubisky getting benched, and they used the term getting grounded. Okay, that's pretty good. Twelve year year old, they're going to get that. Yeah, they're going to know what that means. You know, that's funny. He's still able to participate and do things. He's just not the main guy right now. He's in a timeout. (laughs) You know, Joe. uh, Before you go, um, we we want to get an update about your life and what you're doing. As John said, I mean, it was so great when you were here. I don't, I can't even remember how many years ago it was. Doesn't feel that long ago, but when you tell me, it's going to remind me of how much time has passed and how quickly it goes. But one other thing about what you said, just like Dad, what's a false start when you're a kid? You want to know. There are things we all take for granted, terms that we use constantly. And I remember early as a Beaver broadcaster, somebody asked me, and there are no dumb questions. I mean, I know, you. well, I'll give you an example of a dumb question. Well, okay, okay. (laughs) But generally speaking, there aren't. I had somebody ask me when I had Hushmanzada, Monty Percoats, and Robert Prescott you know, on the same side of the field, and describe that as Jonathan Smith under center trips to the right. I, somebody said, "Did Jonathan trip going to his right?" Or, <laughs> you know, honestly, this person who likes football yeah. and like the Beavers wasn't quite sure what trips to the right meant, and so I understood then that while we, you know, often will just slip into trips to the right or Greg Popple say two by two or a three by one as he often does in his broadcast there are times that one should enumerate the announcers and then maybe even follow that with so the Beavers going or proceed it trips to the right with Percoats uh, Prescott and Hushmanzada you know what I'm saying Joe I think sometimes we fall into so patterns and terms and language that we know well and just kind of assume everybody else is tracking along with us. And it, you're absolutely right. And they're like, I've been talking about getting into podcasting lately. Several of my friends that I have in a sports circle have encouraged it. And one thing my wife has told me is if you do a podcast, you need to break it down and explain it to folks who might not know what that is. And funny enough, uh, one thing I do enjoy is professional wrestling. And when listening to Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast, there are things about professional wrestling that I didn't know. And whoever he's interviewing or he himself will stop what he's, he'll stop the conversation and he will explain to the audience, this is what this means. This is what this means. So, you know, it's, it's, for me, it's like, it makes, you know, some of those memories I have watching him as a wrestler or watching other guys as wrestlers, like, oh, I remember that match, and now that makes so much sense on why mm-hmm. they did that. Hmm. So it, it 
pulls the curtain back a little bit more. Now, so I, I could, think using t- that terminology helps. I could actually use some kind of uh, what we're talking about for hockey because I like the sport and understand the concept of it, but I'm sure there's vernacular and there's, there's strategies in hockey and even some of the rules that a lot of people could use, even sports fans, but they're just not really into the knowledge of hockey. So hockey would be a good example of something where they could quote-unquote dumb it down for a lot of people with some explanation, and hopefully some of the young hockey announcers are actually doing that. I've seen that as a trend. Uh, When I worked in Illinois, our broadcaster would do that sometimes, and we also uh, would shoot tutorial videos for some of the uh, fans or even younger fans, and I suggested that when I worked in the uh, Southern Oregon market because people were involved with the game, and I remember I used to have to book the officials and take care of their rooming and stuff like that, and our fans would just give it to the officials when they weren't calling penalties but there were times where a ref would hold up his arm where he saw the penalty, but it just wasn't egregious enough to stop play. So it's a delayed penalty, and people are booing and yelling. <laughs> and I remember this one lady was just giving the ref the business, which, you know, trash-talking him is uh, another term for that. And I looked at her and I said, ma'am, he's going to call a penalty. She's like, well, he didn't blow the whistle. I said, his his arms up i said it just wasn't bad enough to stop play immediately but like that's why we pulled our goalie and have the extra attacker so if we score there won't be a penalty but you know if once play stops they're gonna call the penalty and she was like oh is that what that means <laughs> like, yeah yeah hey joe <laughs> so give us an update yeah. uh joe first remind us of your time period here what you've done since and what you're doing right now. I was there, hard to believe, 2012 through 2013 okay. working with you guys. Um, when I wasn't interning for you, I went on to work for the Portland Winterhawks briefly and covered their 2014 uh, trip to the finals where they unfortunately lost in seven games to the Edmonton Oil Kings. From Portland, I moved to Bloomington, Illinois, and worked in the United States Hockey League for two years. Uh, Wife and I returned to Oregon when things in Illinois just weren't working out the way that we had hoped. Uh, Took a job as a seasonal park ranger assistant, which is by far one of the best jobs I had. I actually lost 30 pounds doing that job because it was so physical and demanding. Mm -hmm. And then I got a job as the general manager of the Southern Oregon Spartans hockey team. And uh, when my wife uh, was pregnant, uh, unfortunately, we didn't have medical benefits through the Spartans. So I took a job working as a non-TSA security officer through the county airport, which provided great medical benefits. I'm still working in the security field. But I'm uh, looking into getting involved with the sheriff's department as a public information officer, uh, which is more or less involves what I went to school for at Oregon State. So 
My wife's been encouraging me to get back into sports, but as of right now, it's uh, with the pandemic, sports is just not the field to be in. Even talking with some of my former colleagues in sports who are furloughed at the moment, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. there's jobs out there, but you know, it's it's whether you're going to get hired or be furloughed, and it just seems like too high of a risk at the moment. Joe, you you have a a, a great life companion, spouse, wife, if she's encouraging you to get back because she knows it's important to you. I, I just think that not, without knowing anything about her or you, your situation, that just sounds like somebody who understands how much you love sports and is encouraging you, even if you are a bit reluctant right now. So great job there. Yeah, yeah. Hope things are going well. What town are you in? I live in Medford now. Okay. I try to come up to Corvallis a couple times a year. Um, it, for athletics, but it doesn't look like we're going to, we didn't make it. Well, we made it to the Beaver game against Stanford last year. And then we made it to uh, our friend and I made it to the Oklahoma state, uh, Oregon state baseball game. Cause we knew we weren't going to make it to the football game. And then we, I think, and then we made it to the, uh, uh, the rivalry game when Oregon State baseball played in Eugene over my birthday weekend. So, okay. uh, we and we try to go to one basketball game a year, but that hasn't. No, not been yet anyway. Last year. Hey, Joe, oh. last thing Chuck Caton. Have you ever heard of K A I T O N? Chuck Caton. If I, the name sounds familiar, I know he played. For the Hartford Whalers, when the Whalers were in the World Hockey Association. Wow. And he, because uh, I read a book about the World Hockey Association and how it's one of the pro leagues that actually rivaled the NHL before fizzling out. And his name was brought up a couple times. I think he played defense for them. Okay. And then I think he went to work in the hurricanes organization i will give the answer Uh, to why i'm asking you here in a moment joe thanks for listening on the live stream it's great to hear your voice thanks for everything uh that you did for us while you were here thanks for calling for the input on nickelodeon it sounds like it did it indeed uh met the goal and did a great job thanks for the call thank you guys for having me on you guys take care good to hear from you joe great kid let's break on that yeah now, Chuck Caton, K-A-I-T-O-N. I don't know whether what Joe just said was true, but he's on the right track. The NA, uh, the Hartford Whalers in 1979, now the Carolina Hurricanes. A little news on that next. Ron Callen at 12.05. 1240 Joe Radio. Your local Qdoba Mexican Eats plays an important role in serving our communities and will continue to provide access to freshly prepared food during this challenging time. While dining rooms are temporarily closed, all of your local Qdoba locations in Salem, Corvallis, Eugene, and throughout Oregon are ready to serve you with their same great flavors, making sure to take all safety precautions out of concern for their dedicated workers and valued customers. For quick and easy takeout ordering, call ahead to your locally owned operated Qdoba Mexican Eats for curbside pickup. You can also use the app or order online at Qdoba.com. At Running Princess Athletic, we are as passionate about OSU's women's basketball as we are about helping you find great athletic and athleisure wear. Running a marathon, running to the store, or running an online meeting, you deserve to be comfortable with our body-inclusive sizing. 
from extra small to 3XL. Come see us at Running Princess Athletic, 351 Madison Avenue, downtown Corvallis, or anytime at runningprincess.com. Go Beavers! Donabella Fine Lingerie is meeting the challenge of this new normal in their own Donabella way with professionally fitted bras that are comfortable enough to fit your new work-from-home lifestyle, yet stylish enough to make sure you feel pretty, even if you're wearing sweats again. So come on in with your face mask, of course, and see all that's new. Donna Bella Fine Lingerie and Comfortwear, open Tuesday through Saturday, 11 until 5, at the north end of 2nd Street, downtown Corvallis. Unified Insurance Group is your local independent insurance agency in Corvallis. They represent numerous insurance companies and specialize in auto, home, and business insurance. See Mike Eves, Taylor Starr, and Tom Worth. They'll help find an insurance plan that works best for you. So if you're looking for auto, home, or business insurance, see the Unified Insurance Group. 320 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown Corvallis. They're your hometown team. Always putting you first. Have you tried to sell your RV? Was the offer from the RV dealer embarrassingly low? Guarantee's Cash for Campers program will beat any offer for your RV, or we'll give you $500. This is Shannon Nill with Guarantee RV Supercenters in Junction City. Now's a great time to sell or consign your travel trailer, fifth wheel, or motorhome so you can upgrade to a newer model that better fits your lifestyle. We've bought hundreds of RVs for cash, and you can be next. Safe vacations and escapes are now more important than ever, so make sure your RV is ready to maximize your fun and enjoyment. It starts by selling your current RV, and we'll give you $500 if Gary can't beat any other Oregon dealer's written offer on your late model RV in good condition. We'll even pay off your existing loan in a hassle-free transaction when we buy your RV. Visit Guarantee.com to learn more about Cash for Campers. We don't just sell fun, we guarantee it. Offer not available to commercial parties. Subject to change without notice. See dealer for details. Learn more at Guarantee.com. I saw Krahulik driving around town the other day, yeah. and I had a uh, couple of people in the car, and I said, oh, there goes Krahulik. And somebody said, Krahulik, that's an interesting name. And I said, well... Yeah, his name really isn't Krahulik, but that's what we know him as, Krahulik's famous jelly. We or you, Dad, my daughter said. We yeah. or you know him as Krahulik. And right. I, well, I right. had to own that. Yeah. Krahulik. Do your children then chide you and make no, up well, names? No, well, my children don't. My wife occasionally will. Like, yeah. oh, honey, come on. <laughs> stop doing that. Does, the question, is Krahulik okay with being called Krahulik? And I said, well, I don't know if he was in the early going. He signs now. But he seemed to adapt. He and he, signed, he just sent us Krohulik. a text. Because <laughs> he's a great guy. We yeah. love him. Sherwin and, Williams. Many great times. Yeah, and absolutely. Joe Beaver he wrote show Sherwin remotes. Williams man. Wonderful meals. Krahulik's famous chili over the years. The big <laughs> table set up outside. Even when he moved on and other... You know, uh, Sherwin-Williams managers right. were a little reticent in having us out. He said, oh, you're doing it. We're doing it. And he would come back and make Krahulik's famous chili. <laughs> yeah. He says this, forgive me if you've already discussed this. I missed the first 20 minutes of the show. But did either of you see part one of the bio on Tiger Woods that premiered last night on HBO? No, I saw the promo for okay, it. I did not either. see that. Krahulik, it was great. He says, it started with Tiger and his dad at age two, showcased his rise to stardom, 
all the way through the Tiger Slam in the early 2000s. I think the darker days for him are coming in the next episode next Sunday. Very interesting uh, stuff. I'm says sure Krahulik. it's all repeated somewhere, so I look forward to seeing it. We were watching Dr. No last night. And I was not impressed with old old. I know, and I heard you talking to Doug, and and, and you hold the lack of quality against yes. old movies. Yes, yes. Do, you should. Is this thing on? This is KEJO Corvallis. Everybody hear me? On in five. And QID. Who will join us here in a moment, and he may have shared this, he probably has, with us on the Joe Beaver Show. But Friday afternoon, we were on a call, a Zoom call together. When I joined the call a minute or two late, Ron was regaling the other Zoomers. Well, yeah, and so they called me, and I came down. I met Michael Douglas, and he offered me 500 bucks, and away I went. And I'm in, you hear my voice, in one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Now, Ron has probably shared that with us before. But it felt new and newsy to me Friday afternoon. (laughs) So as we were talking about other matters, including going forward with the Chew on this show, which begins again uh, tomorrow night, 6 o'clock, Chris Pendleton. Congratulations to Chris and the Beavers, the first-year wrestling coach, going 2-1 and one at his alma mater over the weekend. A huge opening win, 33-9 over Little Rock, a 39-6 win against Chattanooga, and a respectable showing against fourth-ranked Oklahoma State. The host, the win against Little Rock, marked uh, Coach Pendleton's first win of the season and head coach Chris Pendleton's first career win. And so it was a, a great opportunity for Chris to go back to Gallagher-Iba Arena, compete against strong teams, and come away with two wins. He will be a guest tomorrow night on Chew on This, our Facebook Live show, at 6 o'clock. But we were planning all of this on Friday afternoon when Ron dropped in. The, yeah, Michael Douglas. I met Michael Douglas. He offered me 500 bucks, and I'm in one flew over the The Cougars Michael Smith. Douglas? The Michael Douglas. And I thought at first he was talking about the talk show host, Mike Douglas. No, he was talking about the Michael Douglas, who was the executive producer, I think, with somebody named Saul Zantz of the classic and one of the great films of all time, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And, Ron, if you had told us before... I hadn't remembered, and I even looked for you. I still want to hear you because I looked a cursory listen last night. I went through the film fast forward trying to find all the possible spots you might have been in. I must have missed it because I still haven't heard it, but I believe you when you say you are there in Cuckoo's Nest. So maybe, and good afternoon, Ron. Thanks for joining us. We'll get to basketball here in a bit, but could you take us through where you were and how you got that call, and and you know for a fact you're in that film? Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, thanks for having me yeah. on. And yeah, um, there's no doubt because uh, in the <laughs> 1990s, I was working in Seattle, and I, I told a talk show host named Pat Cashman, I said, "Yeah, I, you can hear my voice in Cuckoo's Nest." And he goes, "Oh, come on!" <laughs> and so uh, we got a copy of it. And I mean, it's not like it's you know great quality because I am on a television in a room where Jack Nicholson and some other of the patients. Uh, are getting medication or food, and you see the television with video of the Yankees, I think it is, and uh, Whitey Ford, and you hear my voice describing what's on that video, right? But I'll take you back to the start of how this all happened, and today's kind of a funny day to be talking about this, because January 11, 1974, I was hired 
at KVDO-TV, my first paying TV job in Salem. I don't know if you remember it, guys, if you're old enough to remember KVDO Channel 3. It was an independent station in Salem. We had one 10 o'clock news hour, and each night we had to fill it up with no network affiliation. And it was basically, I did it all. News anchoring, reporting, photographer, editor, film processor, you name it. You did wow. it there, right? Well, what a great place to learn uh, the business. And at the same time, you're down at the Capitol, and you've got, looking back, all these legends who were there. Go- Governor Tom McConnell, of course. I got to know him. And then uh, Senator Wayne Morse, who had, had just recently retired from the Senate, was around there. And you turn on that camera, you ask one question. He goes on for like seven to ten minutes <laughs> with an oration, right? So uh, it was a great time to get into the business. It was kind of a golden age of TV news before cable, before the Internet, when everybody had to watch you uh, to get the news of the day. And so anyway, we, uh, you know, I was in the newsroom uh, sometime early 1975. I think they started shooting once over the cuckoo's nest in Salem at the state hospital around that time. I think it was like February sometime. Uh, I'm in the newsroom, which is just this one small room, and I get a call from the front desk. Guess what? Michael Douglas is here. I said, we mean the streets of San Francisco, Michael Douglas? (laughs) He goes, yeah. So I go, why? I mean, what's going on? And uh, he goes, he wants to talk to the sports guy. And I was, you know, the sports guy and the news guy. (laughs) Uh, By the way, we had a weather guy um, named... uh, I can't remember his name, but he worked as a mortician at the Rigdon Ransom funeral home in Salem, and he'd get on the air and, you know, all the jokes. Oh, he looks a little stiff on the air, you know. I mean, but he was a great guy, and he did a good job on the weather, but Mm -hmm. I digress. I walk out to the front desk, and Michael Douglas is there, and first thing I say, he's only like 5'9". He's shorter than I thought. You know, these guys larger than life on TV, right? And so, uh, you know, I, I was 22 years old. I just said, what can I do for you? He goes, hey, I, I've got something in this movie we're, we're shooting here. You know about the movie. And, of course, we all did. They actually had a news conference for that movie with Jack Nicholson. I think it was Milos Foreman who directed it. And, you know, all the Portland stations were there. And I was there. And Jack Nicholson was not – he didn't want to be there. You could tell. Because, you know – He's, I mean, he was almost like into his character. What was the name? Ralph McMurtry or something R.P. Like McMur- Randall Patrick McMurphy, yes. Yes, yes. So anyway, I, uh, so I, I say uh, he needs somebody to read a script. So he shows it to me. He says, could just read the first paragraph. So I read it, and he goes, can you come down to uh, where we're shooting, and we'll record you, because we need the audio for a segment of the movie. And so, you know, I, I'm kind of like, wow. <laughs> and I didn't really even think about getting paid or anything, you know, I'm just a kid. And so I got down there, and uh, he goes, we're going to pay you 500 bucks. Here's the script, and I'll, I'll take you through the set. So I got to go through the set, and uh, I saw um, uh, Louise Fletcher getting her makeup on. Jack Nicholson basically looked at me and told me to, you know what. <laughs> and uh, and then, But then I had a really nice conversation with uh, Scatman Crothers. Mm-hmm was in that movie, and he says, hey, man, we're going to be down at the Black Angus on Friday night. Uh, I'm playing the drums. You and your friends come on down. So I went down to the Black Angus, which was uh, kind of a hangout spot in Salem at that time, 
and I uh, got to see him play drunk, which was pretty cool. But I read the I read the um, script, you know, I read the script, and um, it was one of those days you just don't forget, especially when you're at that age, you're young and practical, just getting going uh, in a career. And so uh, it's it's pretty cool that I had a chance to do that. And then I, when I watched the movie, and I was waiting and waiting, and, and finally I did uh, hear myself, and it was kind of cool. But, you know, I'm not on the credits. It was just a one-day thing. They just needed somebody's voice. And I think it was Tom McCall who is in that movie, and you can see him on TV briefly. Um, I think he is the guy who may have said, uh, hey, you know, well, there's a guy over at uh, Channel 3 here in Salem. we got a local guy. So I'm thinking maybe that was how, how he ended up coming all the way out onto Portland Road to where KBDO was located. I mean, that, that was pretty shocking that he himself would do that. So I, I, I just, you know, shake my head sometimes and, and just say, well, I guess I was in the right place at the right time. Wow. There's a lot in that story yes. right there that requires follow-up, and I want to talk to you about the Seahawks and Oregon State yeah. men's and women's basketball and some other things before we close, Ron. I want you to locate, if you can, and you said tonight you're actually going on a mission because you can't quite remember the exact scene where your voice is discernible. I'd like to hear it. We'll play it on the Joe Beaver Show tomorrow yeah. if you locate it and send it to us because that's it's fascinating that you're part of a... I mean, it, it swept the big four Oscars, actress, actress, director, film. It's an amazing movie. You know, I know a lot of people say it's too sad, it's too hard-hitting, it's heavy. It, I don't like you know, I know, I know, and my wife agrees with you. A lot of people don't like it just because I mean, of the shattering. I, I appreciate the quality. The artistry of the filmmaking, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's a shattering. Yeah, it's a hard watch. It's difficult. I get it. I get it. It is. But that said, yeah. I mean, I, I saw it when I was in high school, and it's continued to be one of my favorite movies of all time, just because, John, and as you say, I mean, the artistry of it, the acting in it, the storyline, the fact that it's in Oregon, Pendleton's referenced, <laughs> you go to the Depot Bay. I mean, there's just a lot of local like that. flavor yeah. that's interesting and has kept the film compelling to me my whole adult life. So, Ron, for you to have Michael Douglas, it speaks to him, too, yeah. that he didn't just have somebody on the set, you, come here, we, that he drove out to Portland Road to find a professional says a lot about him. Did you ride back with him, follow him over? I mean, was Michael yeah. fairly cool in that exchange? Uh, I, I went down the next morning, so okay. I drove down. He told me where to go and uh, just say, ask for Michael Douglas uh, and you know, it was like a gate. You know, it's at the state hospital. So there was some security there, and so because the state hospital was still open, and in yes. fact, when the actors first arrived, they spent time just studying the people who were actually patients at the hospital. Wow! You know, and uh, and another thing I didn't realize is there was an off-Broadway production before the movie, and Danny DeVito, who was in the movie, was in the off-Broadway production wow. in 1971. I didn't know that. So. Yeah, so I mean, uh, anyway, it's fascinating. Uh, it was it was a big deal for Salem too. Sure. When you I mean, I, when you say that that, that Jack uh, just kind of gave you the look like get get out of here, <laughs> was that because he is a jerk or he was just at that time busy and in character and and all that? You nailed it. He was in character, kind of a method actor, and you know, yeah. he, <laughs> it was just the look he, he gave me. You yeah, know, I, I don't know if he, you know, I've never talked to him since. If I went up to him at one of those days when he was sitting in the first row of the Lakers games, I wonder if he would have remembered anything about that. But, and uh, and 
you know, I mean, what a great job he did in that movie. And, you know, Will Sampson did a great mm-hmm. job. He shot some great scenes at the Oregon coast. I mean, you think about some of those big movies in those days that were shot in Oregon, not only one flew over the cuckoo's nest, Painter Wagon oh, yeah. was a big deal in the state of Oregon when they shot it over what near Bend somewhere, right, Mike? Yeah, and some uh, Baker City, sometimes a great notion on the yeah. Oregon coast with Paul Newman Lots and Henry films. Fonda. Lots of films. Now, one more question on, on, on your voice. So, just to be clear, they called and asked you to do the reading that they would then use as if you were the, the TV announcer calling this fictitious game that's on the TV? Well, they didn't call. He just showed up at the TV station, right? Right, right. But I'm wondering how they used your voice. As far as you just, you know, they're just watching uh, television. Right. And I am the the, the announcer who's doing the voiceover on the video describing the World Series. I think it was the 1963 World Series uh, that uh, I think, was that Yankees-Dodgers, Mike? Or Yankees-Cardinals? Yankees-Dodgers 1963 World Series, because later, it's so funny, Ron. I watched a little bit of it last night trying to locate you, and there is one scene, and maybe this is it, and maybe the version I saw of the film, it was a made-for-television version with a lot of edits. So the language, the the abrasive language is edited out, and it could be that your part is edited out of the portions I tried to watch, because there is a scene where Nicholson is sitting dealing cards with DeVito and Christopher Lloyd and William Redfield and others, and he pulls back and yells to Scanlon, Who's pi- who did he say is pitching the opener? Who's pitching the opener? Hmm. Referring to the World right. Series in 63, and maybe it was you who had just said Al Downing against uh, Sandy Koufax or whatever else. Maybe you said something like that, and it didn't make the version that I saw last night. Hmm. Well, I know that the movie is well, 133- five minutes long mm-hmm. and amazon prime I, I checked the length of the movie because I, I also thought that maybe you know some of the scenes have been typed up for television it's a, it's a complete movie on amazon prime so okay. I, I haven't seen it for 20 years so i'm looking forward to Good. checking it out tonight and see if i can come up with enough audio quality <laughs> off the tv which i i've got a great microphone so we'll see what happens yeah It'll be fun to, to relive that but uh, you know i mean you think about it the first movie I've ever been a part of, one of the greatest of all time. It's been all downhill for me. <laughs> <laughs> it is one of the greats, and it also speaks to yeah, the 63 series when Nicholson goes into the fake play-by-play off the television when Nurse Ratchet doesn't turn the television set on for the, for the uh, guys to watch the World Series mm-hmm. Game 1, Nicholson takes it into his own hands in one of the funniest and best fake, you know, what we're all trying to do now, watch things off a monitor. Well, there's nothing on the monitor, but he just starts making up a game. <laughs> and he's got Koufax's curveball breaking off like a adjective-deleted firecracker. <laughs> Somebody get me a adjective-deleted wiener before I die. I mean, Nicholson, it's so funny and so well-written and done, and you could tell from his perspective when he's talking about Tom Trash and Mickey Mantle, uh, yeah. he, he lo- you can tell Jack was a real fan because his play-by-play sounds very real in that, that uh, created scenario. 
Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Ron, we look forward. Send us, please. You're right about Governor (laughs) McCall. He's all over. I mean, he's in it several times with his his voice, and you see his face on television. But we look forward. If you can find the clip of yourself, we're going to play it tomorrow on the Joe Beaver Show. In the meantime, and that's a great story and a life experience to have at 22. All of your experiences have created a very important role in life at Oregon State University and Oregon State Athletics. But I don't know about you, Ron. I... You're continuing to work on Chew on this and talking beavers and all of that, but do you, like me, I mean, you must, I miss the games desperately. How are you doing with all of that? Well, you know, I'm, I try not to get depressed about it because, you know, I mean, we're limited even when we can do the games as far as where we can go. You can't really, you know, get close to the players, Mm -hmm. understandably. I get it. I'm all for it. I'm just glad we're able to do some games. But uh, I haven't done a game for quite a while now. It's been a couple of weeks, and uh, I miss it. Yeah, I miss it. I miss uh, you know just doing the play-by-play and being part of uh, something important. And uh, so it, it, it is frustrating. I mean, this weekend, I was hoping to have a game Friday that mm-hmm. I would have called remotely because the team was on the road. Then the Seahawks game Saturday, and then come back Sunday for another game. But instead, I just had that uh, leisurely uh, six-hour back-and-forth on Saturday to the Seahawks game and, and, and missed the basketball games. I was uh, pretty impressed with Washington State yes. beating Arizona, the number seven team of the country yesterday in women's yeah. basketball. And that tells me, well, you know, they lost a heartbreaker up in Pullman. But that says to me, hey, maybe these teams are a lot better than a lot of people say they are. Yeah. So if, if the Cougars are that good, right? Not only so, that, the uh, Cougars... All I know is I'm excited. I went to a practice last week, and I think they're ready to play a game. Let's just see if the other teams are going to play. will be uh, you know, okay to play this week on the road in Arizona. Do you know anything? In other words, do you think the Beavers will be ready to go? I do. I, I, everybody's back, and they've been very careful. And, uh, you know, um, Scott Ruick, I know, put out a, a nice uh, eight-minute statement on social media about what's going on. It's been weird. It's been uh, so unusual. I mean, you know, I'm hoping that our, our good friend and colleague, uh, Mike Parker and, and, and John, uh, Jim Wilson, uh, nailed it right at the end of the football season saying, this is kind of a one-off, is what he called it. This is going to be a one-year aberration. Let's get back, hopefully, next season to some kind of normality. I know that's the glass half full. Maybe that's pie-in-the-sky optimism, but that's my hope that by then this, this, uh, you know, this uh, vaccine will have uh, made it okay for some of these things we used to do. We can get back to them. Ron Callen joining us for a few more minutes on the Joe Beaver Show. Ron, you're exactly right. The Washington State results ever since the Beavers' heartbreaking loss to the Cougs have made me feel a little better, right? I mean, they pushed Oregon. I mean, that, that Oregon had a hard time winning that. Yeah. So somehow yep. I feel a little bit better about that, right? I mean, I think that a lot of people probably do, too. When the Beavers do return, and let's hope it's with the Arizona schools, what do you think? Do you have a sense in, in going to a practice and visiting with Coach Ruick and just – your sense of the things, Scott is a great coach, and his practices are attention to detail. And I, if anybody can take advantage of a lot of extra practice time, I bet he has. Absolutely. I mean, you, you talk about heavy-duty teaching, teaching about you know being strong inside, because offensive rebounding has been one of the issues so far this season. 
and I know they want to improve on that. They do have some good size. Whether you're talking about six foot nine, Yelena Mitrovic, you've got Ellie Mack who can rebound. Sasha Goforth is a good rebounder, and then you've Taya Corsdale. I mean, it's about the top. Taylor Jones obviously is the leading rebounder, and uh, they were working their tails off. In fact, the coaches were playing against the the, uh, the players in some scrimmaging, which I thought was cool. Uh, I'm impressed with Scott Ruick's passing. <laughs> he is one heck of a passer. But uh, the players are excited to get back on the court. Uh, they've only played six games. You've got to play 15 games to qualify for the NCAA tournament. So they've got to get nine more games in here. And uh, let's see if they can get things uh, back on track. It's in, you know, they were 3-0, and and they've been sitting on these losses for a long time. So I know they're, they're, they're determined. They're determined to come out with good efforts uh, against the Arizona schools this week. And let's knock on, do I have wood in this car? No, I don't. But uh, knock on the uh, on the, the yep. windshield here. And let's hopefully they can uh, take care of business and get back on track. I mean, they've got great players. I'm so, they were having a one-on-one drill. Sasha Goforth and Leah Goodman are so talented. Uh, I, I just, I'm really excited to see which team comes out and what adjustments they have made since they've been able and have not been able to play games. I think it's going to be fascinating to watch. I agree. Ron, you were part of the misery in Seattle. Matt Calkins, the fine columnist for the Seattle Times, his headline, does it say it all? How do you feel about it? You were there working the Seahawks game. That was one. I'm sad the Seahawks are out for no other reason. My daughter's a big fan, and they have come over to the house to watch football with us. So that in itself makes Seahawks viewing an event and I'm sorry that there are no more. Just from a selfish parental standpoint, it brings my kids, one of them anyway, <laughs> over to watch football because of the love for the Seahawks. They're out. So we lose that. That's why I'm saddest the yeah. Seahawks are out, not out of being a big fan. But the headline reads, Seahawks wildcard playoff loss to Rams was a 60-minute choke job. <laughs> go, Ron, go. Talk about that. Is Culkin's right? And I'm seeing a lot of stuff coming in that the Seahawks are going to have to reevaluate who they are and how they're approaching the game. You know, I think that's an overstatement. But I, I, I do say this, um, the Rams defense is legit. Yeah. I mean, they have caused, and they have caused Russell Wilson problems, not just on Saturday, but the last four times they've played. I mean, early in that game, you know, I'm up in the uh, NFL stats booth, and all the people in there are, are Seahawks fans, and they're working for the NFL to, to deal with the stats, including myself. But it's, it was a, there was a foreboding just from the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, the lack of time that Russell Wilson had in the running game struggles and Aaron Donald's dominance, uh, you know, I, 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 if I'm, uh, you know, uh, John Schneider, the GM, I'm thinking Russell Wilson is so good, we've got to give him better, better protection. I mean, he's a great runner, you know. And, and, and I mean, but think about the Rams defensive backs, too. I mean, D.K. Metcalf. Is yeah. big and strong, and he got that one long touchdown because he got behind the defense on kind of a broken play almost. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, they were so good. The Rams' defense is great, and when you heard that Jared Goff wasn't going to play, you think, "Oh, this is going to be great." You got this uh, Wolford kid from Wake Forest. Of course, he only lasted till six thirty-two of the first quarter. Then he goes out with a pretty serious injury. So um, Goff comes in. You could tell the something was bothering him. But man, you got to give that guy kudos. Yep. Yep. 
and the and the former the only former Beaver on the field, Johnny Hecker, he was a busy guy. There were fifteen punts in that game. Mm. He had seven of them. I mean, it was you know the offenses of both teams struggled. I could understand the Rams, but when you've got Russell Wilson, you're thinking even in the fourth quarter early, okay, this is his quarter. Here they come, but it didn't happen. A sad kind of a dreary ending yeah. to the season, which as Pete Carroll said afterwards, man, the challenges they had besides football, were unprecedented. And I think that's true for anybody, whether you're playing in the NFL, if you're playing in Corvallis. All of these coaches and staff members and administrators have had to deal with so much. And I give them credit for playing an entire season in the NFL. And I give Oregon State credit for being the only team in the Pac-12 to play. Every game is scheduled. And I, I, I told that to the people up in that booth in Seattle. They're all basically Husky fans. They're going, Really? <laughs> it's like every game is scheduled? Right. And I go, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, yep. they did. They did a great job. They were disciplined. And you got to, I mean, whether it's Doug Ackerman or Scott mm-hmm. Barnes or Jonathan Smith or the players, you got to give them all credit. And, yeah, 2-5 and five wasn't the record they wanted. But, man, oh, man, they could have been 4-3 and three so easy. Yep, yep. And I won't get into the whole official thing. No, hey, Ron, that's a good note before. to close on. We appreciate your time. We'll play the. I hope you find the bite. I want to play it tomorrow on the show and hear you I will look in the classic film. Uh, yes, hopefully uh, I'll, it'll be pretty good quality. So I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Okay, Ron. Thanks. Thanks, Ron. Appreciate it. We break. We've got some business to take care of because well, because we've been going long. Just go long. Bill Cosby Street Football. Bad, funny routine. Bad, bad guy. I know. I yeah. know. I know. But that, the old radio, the old comedy album bit that he did when they played street football as kids was pretty good. What do I do? You go long. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what they tell me every time just so they'd get me out of the way. Yeah. We come back. We've gone long. We break. We come back. 1240 Joe Radio. The Peacock Bar and Grill is closed again for indoor dining, but the Peacock's entire breakfast, lunch, and dinner menu, including their daily $6 specials, are available to eat outside in their covered patio area. You can also pick it up curbside or have it delivered to your home or office by Munchies, Uber Eats, DoorDash, and Grubhub. Call 541-754-8522. That's 754-8522 and get it to go. The Peacock Bar and Grill, a Corvallis tradition since 1929 on 2nd Street, downtown. Trace comes inside, lays it in, and counts his foul. Your tax and wealth management coaches, Paul Witzke, David Mendenhall, Bill Heck, and Robert Berry are ready to put you in the game. Perhaps you're looking to save money for your kids' college, start your retirement, or need business coaching. Tax and wealth management has what you need to execute that game plan into a victory. With 40 years in business, tax and wealth management in Corvallis has the strategy you need for tax planning and saving for your financial future. Visit taxandwealthmanagement.com or call 541 85 to get in the game. Have you tried to sell your RV? Was the offer from the RV dealer embarrassingly low? Garrity's Cash for Campers program will beat any offer for your RV or we'll give you $500. This is Shannon Nill with Garrity RV Supercenters in Junction City. Now's a great time to sell or consign your travel trailer, fifth wheel, or motorhome so you can upgrade to a newer model that better fits your lifestyle. We've bought hundreds of RVs for cash and you can be next. Safe vacations and escapes are now more important 
important than ever. So make sure your RV is ready to maximize your fun and enjoyment. It starts by selling your current RV, and we'll give you $500 if Gary can't beat any other Oregon dealer's written offer on your late model RV in good condition. We'll even pay off your existing loan in a hassle-free transaction when we buy your RV. Visit Gary.com to learn more about Cash for Campers. We don't just sell fun, we guarantee it. Offer not available to commercial parties. Subject to change without notice. See dealer for details. Learn more at Guarantee.com. Everybody plays. Everybody plays. Everybody plays. Play It Again Sports knows play. We sell and buy new and quality used sports and fitness equipment for less, and we pay on the spot so everybody can play. Play It Again Sports wants to buy your used athletic equipment. The stuff you no longer need or want, whatever you have, bring it in now for cash. Play It Again Sports, the official sponsor of all those who play. Play It Again Sports on 9th Street in Corvallis. Are you looking for a better place to do your banking? Join the official credit union of Oregon State University Athletics. Oregon State Credit Union is your community-based and locally operated financial institution. We're committed to building trust and taking ownership in all we do. Integrity and confidentiality are the foundation of our business. Switch today to Oregon State Credit Union. We put integrity first. Drop by a branch. Call 800-732-0173 or sign up online at OregonStateCU.com. Federally insured by NCUA. Everybody plays. Everybody plays. Everybody plays. Play It Again Sports knows play. We sell and buy new and quality used sports and fitness equipment for less, and we pay on the spot so everybody can play. Play It Again Sports wants to buy your used athletic equipment. The stuff you no longer need or want, whatever you have, bring it in now for cash. Play It Again Sports, the official sponsor of all those who play. Play It Again Sports on 9th Street in Corvallis. Chuck Caton, by the way, I don't know if any of you have ever heard of him. I had not. Joe, Joe was right on the history of Chuck Caton. That he apparently was a former player. I'm not sure about that. And but, then working with, well, he's but with he was the Whalers. Part, part of the Hartford Whalers. The original voice of the Whalers on radio and for mm-hmm. 39 years has been the voice of the Hartford Whalers and Carolina Hurricanes. And radio, again, just another trend here. They're not eliminating radio broadcast per se. They're just simply eliminating the radio broadcaster, Chuck Caton, after 39 years, according to this writer, David J. Halberstam, who writes a media column, 39 years of distinguished service. He's going away, and they're, they're going to keep the games on radio, but just simply simulcast the television broadcast over the radio. Well, that's too bad. Obviously, we would say something's bad for the loss of what we do. But it's too bad for the for the audience because TV is not the same as radio. Right. It's just not the same. And, and the way to broadcast a television broadcast, if you're coming up in the business, you know, they'll tell you to slow down, kid. This ain't radio when you're on TV. Now, radio has done that a couple of times in the past with Chick Hearn doubling up as the TV, they would they would take the radio broadcast and put it on TV. Rather than the other way around. Right. So so TV might say that's overkill. Right, it's overkill. But on the other hand, what the Lakers and I believe the Sonics for many years, uh-huh. those of you who, who followed the great Kevin Calabro in Seattle, and I know that Calabro, who's one of the best to ever do it, yep. was not necessarily always warmly embraced here because of the consternation over the replacing of the very talented and popular and our guy, Mike and Mike, Mike uh-huh. Barrett, Mike Rice, that did not play well. I think Lamar Hurd's reviews have always been good, but the way it went down was not 
from my sense of things, particularly around here, but throughout the Blazer world, necessarily accepted happily, yeah. even though Calabro's great at what he does. He is great at what he does. He has a tremendous voice. <clears throat> and the one question that I'd love to know <clears throat> that we've never found out is why they didn't put him or why he, maybe he didn't want it, uh, take over his radio. Oh, he, they offered and he didn't want he it. He just didn't want it. But I think the Sonics for many years simulcasted games yeah. so that yeah. Calabro's radio call was what was Shown on Seattle television. Other pro sports in other markets may have done the same thing, but um, honestly, if you're a, if you're a fan of the team, I just think of myself back in the seventies with Sean Lee. I would have loved to have had Sean Lee on the TV. They always separated it, didn't they? They always the Blazers did. and most teams yeah. generally yeah. have a radio person dedicated to radio. Yeah. The Mariners have radio and television. I worry someday the Mariners may decide we'll just put our television over the radio i mean i worry about that as a trend well think about it though um you know how many times people call in and say how they'll put the radio on while watching the tv so they can hear you or whoever their favorite broadcaster is so it works i think it can work one way i don't think it can work going back the other way because on radio it's not enough information because in tv they have scoreboards Mm -hmm. that are on the screen Mm-hmm. So they don't give the score. They don't reference those things that people are seeing. That yeah. you need on a radio yeah. broadcast. Let's take a break, Doc. And when we come back, we'll talk about a mega cast. There are 14 options for tonight's championship game. Serious? 14. We'll talk about the 14 when we come back. And as we go to break, it's the championship game between Ohio State and Alabama that has been relegated all day long to, oh, and by the way, yeah, tonight. Joel Klatt made a yeah. really good uh, astute observation this morning Tell on, me on about Clay. It. Tell me about it when we come back. Please don't lose that thought. I love Joel Klatt. I want to hear what his observation was. And we'll tell you about your 14 options. I I can't believe it. 1240 Joe Radio. Don't let concerns about today's events derail your long-term financial strategy. Hi, I'm Edward Jones Financial Advisor, Sam Nestline, and I'm here to help. We can work together to understand the impact of these events and make sure your goals are top of mind. While you can't control market volatility, We'll focus on what you can control. We can connect in several virtual ways. Start by giving me, Sam Nesline, a call at 541-753-4665. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Do you need to transfer an old video or film to a digital format? Wise Photo Printing can help. Need a passport or visa picture for virtually any country, including Canada? Wise Photo Printing can help. Do you need a high-resolution scan of a print, a negative, or a slide? Wise Photo Printing can help. There are self-service kiosks, too. Wise Photo Printing, open Tuesday through Saturday from 10 until 6 on 2nd Street next to the Peacock Tavern downtown Corvallis or online at wisephotoprinting.com. Wise Photo Printing, helping you get it done. Your satisfaction is our success. Independent Auto Works. Need someone to service or repair your Volkswagen? See the guys at Independent Auto Works. Since 1970, they've been repairing and servicing all makes and models of VWs. And since they're next to the OSU campus, if you're a student or on staff, you can drop your car off and walk to work. For parts, service, or just plain advice, see the guys you can trust. Your satisfaction is our success. Independent Auto Works. 
Oregon State appreciates the longtime support of great community partners, including Guarantee RV Supercenters. Guarantee has been with Beaver Nation for over two decades. When you're shopping for a travel trailer, fifth wheel, or motorhome, support the dealer that supports our beavers. As an OSU graduate, I'm pleased to continue Guarantee's 54-year tradition of big city selection and country savings. On behalf of Beaver Nation, thanks to Guarantee RV in Junction City. Locally owned and operated for over 30 years, Corvallis Floor Covering would like to thank their many friends and customers for your continued support and looks forward to working with you on your next remodeling project. Stop by and see Wendy, Robin, or Brian and check out their large showroom with a wide variety of carpet, vinyl, laminate tile, wood floorings, and window coverings from all the popular brands. Corvallis Floor Covering is at the corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown or log on to CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local, shop Corvallis Floor Covering, and go Beavs! Stallbush Island Farms is a proud sponsor of Oregon State Women's Basketball and wishes head coach Scott Ruick and his team the best of luck this season as they look to advance to the NCAA tournament again this year. Stallbush co-founders Bill and Carla Chambers invest in women leaders both in business and on the court. Look for the brown paper bag of sustainable and organic fruits and vegetables in the freezer aisle at your favorite grocer. Stallbush Island Farms, a real farm, a real place, a real family. And go Beebs! All right, welcome back. Uh, just a couple of minutes here left. and Well, we'll take another break. We still have time. You can always uh, sneak in with a, a text or a phone call. So Joe Clapp this morning, former quarterback of Colorado, longtime uh, Pac-12 and Big Ten and, and some national games, but mostly the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. I love Joel Clapp. I do, too. He's yeah. the one guy who will challenge Clay Travis. In fact, they got into a fight. Um, a couple of years ago on Twitter, and it was, you know, a real, oh, shut up, you're stupid, and then the other guy says the same thing back, and then became friends out of it. Okay, cool. And so they joke about the fight, and they joke about each other being wrong, but <laughs> uh, they uh, have a lot of respect for each other, and he's a regular, along with Petros. I think mm-hmm. tomorrow morning Petros will be on. But anyway, so Joel Klatt said on the very thing that you brought up, oh, by the way, <laughs> when it comes to the National Championship game, every year I'm like... Oh, that's right. The championship yeah, that's game right. is it's on. It's tonight, right? Yeah. Too much time in between. Yeah. And he just brought up the point that why do they pick Monday after the, the, the conference playoffs have gotten going? You could pick the Friday leading into the championships, be done with college football. The championship would be closer to those the, the, the semifinals. And then even just by just a few days, and then... And then the NFL, because the NFL with its this year six, but normally four mm-hmm. wild card games. I mean, I I loved it. I sure. I was watching with my buddies in in Portland for Saturday. I not so much yesterday when I was alone. I was cleaning the garage, whatever. But I just loved it, and and a lot of people did. And now it's like you have to you know do that reverse record scratch, <laughs> and then stop, and then try and get it back up. And he says the TV people. You know, how are they making that decision when it, it can't be good for the ratings the way it is the way it is now? And he just it's like he just was highlighting with a few examples about how it, it's a it's a horrible day for the national championship game. And he says in in basketball, they do it because they had just done the semifinals two days prior Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it's a different model. So it doesn't work to have it on a Monday that's so far away from the from but they do need that week in between because that's the that's how college football works. Yes. So do it on the Friday. Okay. The one thing about doing it on and Clatt said Friday. Yeah. 
Here's the slight objection I have to that. Think about it for a minute, and I may be wrong, and it could be immediately just, yeah, oh, that's that you're that's crazy. Well, you know, I'll, to, I'll find okay, go something ahead. like that. Yeah. Thank you. When you do something on Friday, release a big story on Friday, have something happen on a Friday by Monday, by the end of the weekend and everything else that's happened, it's gone Saturday for, for good or bad. These little show, a little show like ours that we do is multiplied over our country so many times, Monday through Friday, 24-7 sports talk shows yeah. drive a lot of things that we talk about and do. And the shows on ESPN and the talking heads on Fox and all of that. If you if you play the national championship game for college football on a Friday night, it gets it will be lost into Saturday. It will come Monday, it's ancient history. Yeah. So what about playing it on Tuesday night or having a having a uh, another day of the week so that college football to rebuild it stands alone on the day leading up to it on Tuesday and then Wednesday there yeah there's always NFL well, talk well because then you go further out away from the semifinals and it becomes too far I, out I get it I get it but the afterthought nature is real it's an oh by the way tonight because all day long there are markets all over the country every yeah. every market is talking about their team's wild card playoff loss a 60 minute choke job yeah. or a 60 minute exaltation whatever so but somehow college football's title game being in this window tonight has the oh by the way kind of feel now the one thing it might have, though, then is tomorrow to itself, right? So maybe maybe that's just what you got to live with in playing it on a Monday night. You will have tomorrow all on your, you know, there'll be nothing else, really. Everybody will talk about the game between Alabama and Ohio yes. State, and it will stand alone tomorrow. Yes, but if it's a Friday, you've got all that week to build up to it. You, you do. play it, you blow it out. Yay, it was so yeah. cool. The season's over. And then the next day, that, wild card. That's true. But, but the next day, the wild card week. and other things, I, I just I feel like because you're always up against the king, the, the right. NFL. Right, so it's so before the, or after. Before or after. We all will be talking tomorrow. Everybody, all the talking head shows, all yeah. the shows will be talking about the championship game. We're going to tell you about the 14 ways here in a moment. But let's yeah. get to Jeff first on the Downward Dog phone line, 497-5356. Hello, Jeff. Hi, guys. Uh, just a quick comment about the having the game on Monday night. We've just spent 18 Mondays in a row watching football. I think we're kind of ready for it. That's true. Uh, yeah. Yeah. NFL was had their last Monday broadcast last week. Now we get to have Monday night football, and it's it's college football, which I consider to be far superior anyway. But um, anyway, so I don't think that there's any issue with getting an audience. And on a Tuesday, there's nothing much to talk about anyway, so we'll have the uh, – college game to rehash okay just that's a good so. point yeah i agree it's a good point i thought about that too um there wasn't a monday night game last week correct mm, in the nfl no it was two weeks but ago there, last then it was the week before yeah, yeah and i missed it you know what i mean i remember thinking wait a minute there should be football on right now yeah. so maybe jeff that's a that's good enough even though today the whole day 
generally speaking, is devoted to what happened Saturday and Sunday. Rather than the buildup for tonight's game. Correct. Yeah. yeah, I guess yeah. You, you have to pick a spot, and I think Monday night is better than Friday night. Do you, Jeff? I would agree. Yeah, yeah Friday night, uh, yeah, that's that's a tough night to watch football. I mean, I even, even the few times the Pac-12 has a game on that night, I've, I've yeah. got a hard time doing that. So, And I'm retired, so i got nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, thank you for well, making thanks, that guys. point. That's a thanks good one. Thank you, sir. Let's get Dave in. Before we break and then come back to close with the 14 options, we I promise can't wait. we'll get I them can't in. Wait. I didn't Day, know this. Yeah, there's 14. I knew there'd be like four or five. 14. No way. Yes. On regular TV? Tonight. Well, I mean, like cable. What? I mean, yeah. It, like uh, IFC, <laughs> that crazy movie channel. Well, wait a minute. 14 options for the mega cast that ESPN is offering. It's the seventh national championship mega cast. And it's all through. So not all of it's on television, but there's 14 broadcast 14 options, broadcast. Wow. including radio. Wow. Dave Tumwater, good afternoon. Good afternoon, guys. Uh, Mike, you're, you're, the caller's previous point actually kind of anticipated something I was going to say. You know, I'm increasingly nostalgic for the late BCS era to this extent. You may recall, apropos your very last point there, Mike, about a game on Monday night, prior to the championship sequence who's in nonsense mm-hmm. um you will recall there were major bowl games played depending on what day of the week it was the second of january the third the fourth the fifth mm-hmm. sometimes even as late as the sixth of january there was a big time meaningful college bowl game played late in that week all year long college football survives admirably for over a century now with their games on Saturday and the pro games on Sunday. Now, when the pros go to Saturday, as they do this time of year, presents an obvious problem. But, and I know it's a lost cause, but if we're just going to be spitballing here, if, as I could hope and pray, although it's unlikely to be the case, we could revert to uh, two teams uh, only for the playoff, yeah. Beano Cooks old plus two, play the bowl games, get a committee, pick the top two, Play it the Saturday before the conference finals in the NFL. That's going to be about a uh, 10-12 day window from the latest of the BC, the big BCS bowl games. That works every other week of the football season. There's no reason that wouldn't work admirably for the culminating week of the college football season. I like it, Dave. I do. But I think we say it with a sense of, of futility, though, don't we? Knowing that it, that we're not going to go back to two. If anything, we're going to go, you know, we're going to add. We're going to expand, right? And it, yes, it's, it's seemingly uh, in the DNA of the system. It's only going to make it worse. It's going to make uh, the, the championship game or that whole sequence even less relevant. Um, I mean, uh, it's a mess of ESPN's making. They flooded the market yeah. with all of these meaningless bowl games that they own. Yes. In which half of their announcers decry the meaninglessness of it, while the guy next to them is talking about the, the who's in for the college football championship. Yep. It was the most venal of corporate strategies, and Tim Brando was right. <laughs> this who's in thing was the worst branding effort in the history of intercollegiate athletics. 
a pox on their house. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Good to hear from you. Have fun watching it tonight anyway, though, as we, there, I think we only, all will. There's only one problem with that, and that is under that model, we'd be waiting two more weeks for the college football championship. Well. Because it's two weeks from now as the conference okay, championship. But that would be okay, too. Or a little less that than two That would be weeks. okay. Oh, that's too far out. Not, not if you've pl- – well, I got you. But – it would still be preferable to the world we're in now, in my opinion. Too far out, yeah. The college football Super Bowl, though, model, two weeks after the end of everything else, would be okay with me. A one game to settle on the field, the top two selected by the committee. We're going to a committee anyway to pick four. Why don't we revert back, leave our bowl games alone and our traditional regional matchups alone, Let the co- and then have that committee, They're the all-wise committee, pick the two top to play two weeks later. It would be okay with me. I think that would be better than expanding it to 8 or 16. Let's come back with 14 ways next. 50 ways. To, now, that's Paul Simon, who I like. Let's come back with 14 ways on 1240 Joe Radio. Your satisfaction is our success. Independent Auto. Need someone to service or repair your Volkswagen? See the guys at Independent Auto Works. Since 1970, they've been repairing and servicing all makes and models of VWs. And since they're next to the OSU campus, if you're a student or on staff, you can drop your car off and walk to work. For parts, service, or just plain advice, see the guys you can trust. Your satisfaction is our success. Independent Auto Works. Have you tried to sell your RV? Was the offer from the RV dealer embarrassingly low? Garrity's Cash for Campers program will beat any offer for your RV, or we'll give you $500. This is Shannon Nil with Garrity RV Supercenters in Junction City. Now's a great time to sell or consign your travel trailer, fifth wheel, or motorhome so you can upgrade to a newer model that better fits your lifestyle. We've bought hundreds of RVs for cash, and you can be next. Safe vacations and escapes are now more important than ever, so make sure your RV is ready to maximize your fun and enjoyment. It starts by selling your current RV, and we'll give you $500 if Gary can't beat any other Oregon dealer's written offer on your late model RV in good condition. We'll even pay off your existing loan in a hassle-free transaction when we buy your RV. Visit Garrity.com to learn more about Cash for Campers. We don't just sell fun, we guarantee it. Offer not available to commercial parties. Subject to change without notice. See dealer for details. Learn more at Garrity.com. It's hard to find something for everyone, except at Woodstock's Pizza. Woodstock's Pizza has pizza for all, starting with your choice of four different crust options, including cauliflower and gluten-free. Then choose from six different sauces, including vegan and dairy-free, plus your choice of over 35 fresh toppings. Then choose pickup or delivery. Notice how I keep saying choose and choice? That's because Woodstock's Pizza really is pizza for all. Woodstock's Pizza on Kings Boulevard in Corvallis. Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. Financial investments are very important, but so are the investments of time, patience, and encouragement our young athletes receive from their coaches, teachers, and mentors. That's why Edward Jones is a proud sponsor of Oregon State and area high school sports. Call me, Tim Ewis, at 541-758-8245 or stop by my office in the Timber Hill Shopping Complex in Corvallis for all of your investment needs. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Go Beavs. 
Locally owned and operated for over 30 years, Corvallis Floor Covering would like to thank their many friends and customers for your continued support and looks forward to working with you on your next remodeling project. Stop by and see Wendy, Robin, or Brian and check out their large showroom with a wide variety of carpet, vinyl, laminate, tile, wood floorings, and window coverings from all the popular brands. Corvallis Floor Covering is at the corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown or log on to CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local, shop Corvallis Floor Covering, and go Beavs! Angry Beaver Grill is open for covered and heated outdoor dining as well as dinner-to-go orders Tuesday through Sunday. Get the favorites including Angry Beaver's Reuben and French Dip Sandwiches, Burgers, Tacos, and the Gables Recipe Chicken Bisque Soup and Garlic Croutons. And don't miss Angry Beaver's Friday and Saturday night famous Gables Smoked Ribeye Steak Dinner Special. Angry Beaver Grill open Tuesday through Sunday from 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. for covered and heated outdoor dining in the back of the restaurant and for carryout on 4th Street in downtown Corvallis. Angry Beaver, thank you for your support. Okay, Johnny, I, here they are. I want to make sure we get them in. Yeah. 14, one, the Megacast. It's the mainstream ESPN production with new technological toys tonight. Alabama's Nick Saban and Ohio State's Ryan Day will have cameras dedicated to them. The entire More than 100 microphones will be placed throughout the stadium to capture the sounds of the game. Be careful, Nickelodeon. No, Nickelodeon won't be part of this. <laughs> They will atmosphere the atmosphere of the limited crowd enhancing the game telecast. ESPN two. Now that the flagship will have Fowler, Herb Street, Maria Taylor, and Allison. And a Williams. regular regular broadcast. That's the yeah on okay. ESPN. Okay. ESPN two. Laura Rutledge, Marcus Spears, Dan Orlovsky, Mina Mina Kimes will provide analysis. Joining the quartet is ESPN college football analyst and NFL draft expert Todd McShay, who will provide draft projections and analysis of the players in the okay. game throughout okay. the game. Number three, Film Room returns to the championship megacast on ESPN News. Who are the coaches? SEC Network College football analyst, former BCS champion head coach Gene Chizik, Wake Forest head coach Dave Clawson, Liberty head coach Hugh Freeze, and North Carolina A&T's Sam Washington. Skycast on ESPN. You, ESPNU, Jason Fitz, Mike Golick Jr., providing commentary and context out of commercial breaks before throwing it back to the sounds of the game. So ESPNU will have something going okay. on. Number uh, six, the Spanish language telecast, ESPN Deportes. Six is Synced Radio with Eli Gold. Synced Radio, Eli Gold, Alabama's great voice will be on the SEC network. So you'll see it on the SEC network, but here a radio broadcast. Oh, and that's w- too bad because I don't get that network. And I'm telling you, the ESPN app, one of the best guys I've ever heard do play-by-play, yeah. Paul Keels from Ohio State. He is great. If I may access that just to hear his work. He's tremendous. Command Center on ESPN app, multi-angle uh, presentation also on the ESPN app number nine, the data center, a catch all viewing option, the ref cast with officials talking about all the calls that go oh, on. Now during I the want game. that one. What's That's that on? That's the ESPN app. So apparently okay. you go to the app and make your choice. All 22, oh my the gosh. ESPN app, the coaches film that they yeah. study during games, ESPN radio network, Sean McDonough and Greg McElroy, ESPN Deportes. And ESPN's innovative initiatives surround social media, with uh, ESPN having a number of social media initiatives around the game on the ESPN app. So a lot of this extra stuff on the ESPN app, but all the ESPN channels will be in use tonight. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Okay, please. Here's the microphone. Is this thing on? This.